The below the belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Episode of BTB. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, your host, with the most here for your weekly pleasure. And let's go ahead. We got another incredible show tonight. Let's go ahead and introduce the room. First of all, starting with that's right, she's my Tribeca partner in crime, the lovely Aussie from Don Under, Jessica Ray Taylor, the entertainer. Oh, wow, proudly displaying uh, Tribeca Yay. film festival. <laughs> Thank Jessica, you so much to... for having me. I'm so excited to be here at Below the Belt Show. We're excited to have you, lovely Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are indeed. Let's go ahead and also introduce That's Right, guys. He is affectionately known as the one-line wonder, the co-star king. He is actor extraordinaire, Vinnie Mac. Vince Eisenson. What's up, Vince? It's good to be here back on uh, Below the Belt Show. Yeah, good to see you both. You know, I have to for my girl. You know, I have to try, but I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Good to be here. How's your accent? What did you think about? Jessica, be brutal. How how was it? Yeah, I would give that a three out of ten. Okay. (laughs) Not a zero. Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) Not a zero. That's the important thing, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, we have a quite uh, uh, lovely panel in studio. Um, it's been a minute since we've had both Jessica and Vinny on, I believe. So I want to talk about everything going on with both of you. Of course, Jessica, you were flaunting your your uh, Tribeca badge, which you were able to experience a couple cool events, courtesy of Below the Belt Show, Below the Belt Show's first time at Tribeca, and of course... Uh, uh yes uh btb representing yours truly chach mcfly for the first few days and then myself and jessica representing for uh the rest of the time and jessica you got to check out a couple things yourself as well and we didn't talk about one last week because we weren't in attendance and you were so you actually attended one of the final screenings of tribeca for shortcomings didn't you Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to start by saying thank you to Below the Belt Show for having me and thank you to the Franklin Press at Tribeca. And I also want to do a little shout out to my friend Caden Cox, who um, actually works with me at the Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute, because he was able to get us some pretty cute, close seats 
for was it waitress oh my god waitress wow for the live on broadway like taping we talked so a excited. Bit yes, last week we talked a little bit about waitress, but we'll talk a little bit more since you were there, Jessica and Chachi wasn't. Wasn't that one of the best musicals you've ever seen in your entire life? I mean, honestly, you would never think that that was a recording of a live performance festival because yes. it was so clean. The choreography was clean. The amounts of use of like props, the amount of moving parts that they were using. They were also using food. Um, they were singing, the cast was like moving the props at the same time as singing and dancing and doing yep. all this stuff. Like there were so many show stopping moments for me. Obviously, Sarah Bareilles is like the most incredible, uh, incredibly talented, you know, female artist out there. And I was impressed with best the, voices in, in, in music today. Yeah. I mean, I was so impressed with the entire the entire cast, especially, um, especially, I can't remember the actor's name. He was a standout performer that could just do everything, like including flips. I think you're talking about Vinnie Mac's buddy. Was that Drew? Yeah, was it my boy Drew? Yelling? Yeah. So, so oh, wow. Vinnie, a little trivia. You are actually friends, or actually, you attended some theater courses in North Carolina with Doctor, the 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 character Drew who played the Doctor. I guess he was the doctor. I have I yes. have not kept in touch with him as well as I should, but we went to governor's school together and we could all tell he was going to be the most successful actor because really? he was tall and handsome and could sing and um, very charming. We we're like, all right, Drew's got a good career ahead of him. And oh, wow. he, he did. Okay. Yeah. Wait, no, okay, guy. so he was playing the doctor. So he was playing yes. um, Sarah Bareilles. He was very agile. He was doing the flips for the pies. That's who you're alluding to, right? No, well, the one that married the little girl. What, um, the funny oh, girl. Oh, little Clark. guy. Okay. Yeah, the little, what's his name? The little guy that married, uh, Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Holahan's character. Yeah. Yes. He, uh, you, to you, me, he was like an, a solid was, standout. Yeah. yeah mm, he okay. Was, okay. He had some real show-stopping moments. Um, and the same with one of the lead characters that was kind of having that fling with the guy in the kitchen. Was that the the guy from Mare of Easttown? Was he one of those? Joe Tippett. Well, Joe Tippett was actually played um, Sarah Bareilles' husband, and they right. had problems, a really rocky relationship. But trivia: Sarah Bareilles and Joe Tippett are together in real life. Ooh. You didn't know that they're an actual couple. Jessica, do you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Wow, that's really it's, funny. Despite their hate for each other towards the end of the. <laughs> Uh, the production there they fell in love on set yeah um, was it a live perform you said you couldn't tell it was pre-recorded so it, it was yes. pre-recorded very similar to what they did with hamilton when they put it on disney plus they would actually record they would film the performance a live performance on broadway and oh. turn it into a feature film oh so that's what you so were that's watching what- that's what we were watching, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. And it was okay. just so clean. Like, the choreography was clean. Everything was so clean. It it looked like it was meant to just be filmed, like, on on set. And it didn't mm. look like it yeah. was just being filmed, like, from the stage, which I is see. really yeah. incredible. Which is, you know, shout out to the people who were on 
camera and having to do all that like on like with the cameras and stuff because it was high quality and will this get a wide release is that the plan yes i think um it's going to launch on one of the streaming platforms they haven't announced just yet but i have a feeling it's going to be one of the big ones so everybody will be able to see it i mean of course you knew disney plus got hamilton and hamilton yeah yeah the whole world is able to see hamilton you know because uh tickets for that particular show were through the roof um and now the whole world gets to see waitress and uh yeah that was definitely that's one of my highlights of, of tribeca um i got to uh of course you had to get back home but i got to check out the party the after party and uh yeah how had, was that you got all those, had a complete uh, really- blast had a blast <laughs> it was at uh a great Italian restaurant and uh, the, the wine was flowing and the appetizers, you know, we just had a nice dinner, uh, Jessica at the uh, La Conda Verde and. Uh, oh yeah. Shout out to La Conda Verde. Was... Yeah. Well, one of the uh, most, uh, most awesome restaurants right in the Tribeca area. So it made it very, very convenient, but. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Shortcomings. I did yeah. want to talk about shortcomings a little bit. Yeah. So you got so, to check out shortcomings. That was a uh, was... Sunday night. Yeah, it was just, uh, it just happened and it was so cool. I got a rush ticket. So I got in there. I did go to the box office, but it was closed. <laughs> so I went all the way there and I was like, no. Uh, and then I went, you know, obviously to the SBA theater. They were very nice to me. I lined up, um, got a rush ticket, got in there, got to watch. There was also a queue in the A, so like a question and answer afterwards I filmed some of that as well um obviously the the film was based on the novel and what I loved was that it was such a diverse cast even though it was an Asian American cast like all Asian American cast Um, it's Randall Park by the way you might know from WandaVision and Fresh Off the Boat he's been a lot of good stuff yeah, cast and crew, which was really, really cool. Um, you know, they had some real in-depth character moments. I don't want to uh, ruin it for anyone who's about to see it. But, you know, real-life moments that I think audience members will be able to really relate to and real-life relationship moments that are just cringeworthy, breakups, everybody hates breakups. Um <laughs> And kind of interesting, they talk on the Q&A about how important the locations were to them uh, for the actors who were on set. And then also, you know, for the director and for the writer, they they just said we didn't want to film it without it being at the correct locations. So that was super important to them. Uh, I think that they all did a really good in-depth job of creating real relationships and and real moments and also you know the film is based around lgbtq as well so that was really Pride nice month, to see so yeah yeah across sense. the board there was a lot of representation which was really nice to see wow so that was one of the final final screenings of, of tribeca and then uh, it was an exciting uh Pretty much a week and a half of amazing events. And uh, there was one more event you and I got to check out. Uh, let's talk about Walking Dead, Dead City, which, as you know, Tribeca does drop TV shows. Uh, and in this case, we got to see two episodes of a six-episode first season. Now, I've read some reviews. Now, I'm a Walking Dead fan, so you know I'm going to be partial to Walking Dead, and, and I'm going to enjoy what I see, which I did. I very much did. But I read reviews that that 
if you weren't a Walking Dead fan and you watched it, you wouldn't be as invested. And now, is that the case with you, Jessica? Because you, this is your first time ever watching anything in the Walking Dead universe. Was this Dead City? Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting because you know I'm not really like a zombie girl. Like I'm not really into that. So I'm more into like the Vampires Twilight series. Okay. Okay. Or I would be more. I don't know, inclined to like watch Lord of the Rings or you know, like stuff like that more than Walking more Dead. More fantasy based, yeah, than Walking Dead. Yeah, but I mean, I found it to be, oh, what's the word? No, it was it was cool. The graphics were really cool. I could definitely, you know, really enjoy some of the graphics. I think. I mean, it showed a pop post-apocalyptic New York City. You know? Yeah, that was really cool. I loved the locations. Um, I also really loved the, uh, brr, what were they doing? Like on the, I don't want to ruin oh, it. Oh, the zipline. Zip yeah, the ziplining stuff. Like all of the action stuff was really, really cool. The blood and guts is always fun if you're a big, like, um, Xbox player, you know, Call of Duty style shooting <laughs> and, and bombing and yeah. squashing and blowing okay. up. Things like that. Um, yeah, I just, I just. You were still don't entertained, know. but you weren't invested in the characters, though, right? Yeah, because I don't know if I was invested in the characters. And okay. I think that even if I had seen the previous ones, I still don't know if I'd be as invested in the characters because it's, it is a little bit. I don't know if there's, a, there was a way to get the zombies to be. I don't know if there was more. I think relationships with people that they knew that were turning into the zombies, there might be a little bit more investment for the audience, if that makes sense. Okay. For me, like as, you know, looking at it from a production perspective, I'm like, mm, if they had maybe turned some characters early in this one, maybe I would be more invested in the fact that... Now you you're referring to to some of the characters turning into zombies. Yeah, because there wasn't much of that, like in this okay. series particularly. I think that we saw a couple. Yeah, we saw a couple of the uh, the red on the red coats, you know, of of uh, of the um, new Babylon army, which was Gaius Charles, who was in that lead role. Yeah, but we weren't really invested mm. in those characters. So yeah, we weren't really, invested in those characters. Yeah, I think that it would have been way more interesting if it was like a character that you i don't know really loved okay. right away that got okay well those, that's the reason you're tuning, that's the reason we are tuning into the shows for people like negan and people like lauren cohen and uh uh we're actually going to be playing that exclusive interview next week but tonight's exclusive interviews include yours truly interviewing actor extraordinaire Steve Buscemi, guys. Steve Buscemi nice. of his movie called The Listener. Uh, it was really, really cool. I also interview another one of the actors that. Uh, now, this is really interesting. The entire movie takes place in Tessa Thompson's office, mm-hmm. and she's basically a mental mm-hmm. health uh, hotline attendee. I mean, she's basically fielding calls and talking to people about the problems and, and people, you know, the suicide hotlines or just mental health, um, you know, just, just a way for folks to reach out to um, 
the help. And that's what Tessa Thompson's character is, is the listener. She's listening to people's problems, basically. Mm. So it's interesting because Steve Buscemi directed this film. This is his fifth film. And every single person that called in, they didn't cut away to. They, they actually just, you just heard the voice. So, that's so it sounds a lot like, yeah, it sounds a lot like The Guilty or uh, yeah. the, the movie Lock was a pretty similar show. Yeah. Yeah. But I like those movies. I mean, it's been done. The, you know, it's been it's done. Been done. But it's still, I still like that genre. Yeah. Like isolated person. Isolated. Dealing. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, Vinny. Yeah. So it's very isolated. I'll see that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. The listener, Tessa Thompson. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you have to hear what Steve Buscemi says about Tessa Thompson. It's definitely worth tuning into. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, it was very complimentary, of course. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure it was. Right, right. And then, of course, um, I got to talk to Stephanie Beatrice, one of the lead actresses in David Duchovny's film, Bucky Fucking Dead. Uh, and I talked to um, Stephanie Beatrice. I talked to two of the producers, Jordan and Jordan. Sadly, Dave Duchovny did not have time to talk to us. He's the director and the star of that film. Sadly, had to to leave the carpet and get to the premiere, so we didn't get a chance to talk to him. Nonetheless, those are our special uh, special interviews that we're going to be playing tonight, and uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. Um, but before we get into everything in entertainment, um, I want to shine the spotlight on Vinnie Mac. Vinnie Mac uh, got to produce, direct uh, an amazing pilot episodic pilot and uh vinnie if you could talk to us a little bit about it love to hear about sure um i'll give you the log line well it's called the sessions and the log line is in a therapy group for murderers someone is bound to snap that's the setup and it's based on a real forensic psychologist named al julian who led murderers groups at a psychiatric facility where people went when they weren't guilty per se but they were well they were guilty by insanity or some other reason so they didn't go to prison they went to these facilities and uh you kind of find out the backstory of how these people get there and some of them should not even be in a psych ward some of them should probably be on death row but that's a bit of a spoiler um yeah we got a great cast there's so a, fascinating yeah there's a al is in it we got a nice cameo from al soto ah yes uh, one of the hard, I think Al is in one of the hardest shots of the whole thing. I don't know how it will work in the edit, but we shot this whole sequence in one take. And then we got some cutaways because we might need to break it up. But it involved running up a stairwell and going up another stairwell without the camera catching him and very complicated. But um, no, it was a lot of fun. And hopefully we go to Tribeca with it. Dude, that would be amazing. Wow. That's a dream. Can I mention my role, Vinny? Or should we? Is that you something can mention we have to... it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, I, I play uh, one of the featured mental patients. Yes. So it's a, an establishing shot where uh, you see yours truly acting a little cray cray, a little crazy. Okay. <laughs> so, Vinny, Stackler. you said that the, ins- the inspiration for this piece was. It was a true story. Yeah, the writer of it actually did lead these therapy groups in a in a prison well a psych ward in pennsylvania that is now shut down a lot of these psych wards are shut down i mean you can see the abandoned ones in maryland crownsville 
We actually went there to scout. It looks like a nightmare and it's shut so down. So he wrote this story and then you... On his experiences. Yes, he wrote it. Um, I had worked with him on a number of short films, um, originally as an actor, but then I ended up directing his last two short films. And he trusted me to direct the pilot of this, which was a huge step for me. But um, he took a leap of faith and I it, I think it went well. I mean, I had fun. It I was it was see it. Then I was curious. Uh, you obviously everybody wants to direct at some point, but was, was there a particular reason you did not want to appear on camera as a consummate actor yourself? A couple reasons. Uh, at one point, it was discussed I might play one of the roles, and um, I, I I just didn't. I, I wanted to focus on directing. I, I was a little worried about only focusing on that because as an actor, I'm so used to being in that role, but. Once this started going, I just could not imagine stepping away to play a part. I just felt like I needed the full focus on directing. And I just wanted the right actors for the roles. I, I didn't really think I was right for any of the parts, honestly. I mean, I could have forced my way in, but there were better actors out there. So yeah, I let them uh, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you so the actors that you have in, in the lead roles um, have some amazing credits. Yeah, we got a great cast. Um Al and I pulled some strings. Most of the actors we had some connection to. Al had worked with a guy from The Walking Dead, Keith Harris, who's Dr. Carson on The Walking Dead. Nice. I haven't seen it all, but I think he dies on The Walking Dead. Um, yes, calls character. Yeah, he dies. So Al was able to get us that connection, and we had to kind of wrangle him. I knew a guy from Billions. Uh, we found Bobby J. Brown from We Own This City. I was just watching We Own This City, and I think Al knew Bobby. Did you know Bobby, Al? Okay, because I know there's two Al's that we're talking about. Oh, was, sorry, no, Al yeah. Soto, this Celebrity Al, Soto, yeah. This Celebrity Soto here does uh, has worked with Bobby Brown in uh, a couple projects. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yes. Uh, well, I'll give a quick tip for actors. If you can, try to put some contact info on IMDb, because the only way we got to Bobby Brown he wouldn't mind me telling this was our mutual friend. Victor is friends with Bobby Brown's son on Instagram. <laughs> and I contacted Bobby Brown's son and basically begged him to ask his dad to talk to me. And it all worked out. And Bobby Brown is basically our lead actor and he's great in this, but it was just through weird channels like that. Yeah. Bobby yeah. Brown, has a nice, nice role on we on the city is a, he is a DC DC based. Uh, he's from dc yeah, area in, in the dc area yeah nice yeah so it was uh good to, uh good to have that representation and uh yeah we were about yeah. half i would say we we're our of our leads we're about half local half out of town very nice yeah was very it nice. just like a sag project it was this was a sag yeah. uh, sag agreement um nice yeah yeah so we filed all the paperwork SAG budget yeah <laughs> you know you know you know yours truly loves the loves it when something goes union so That's we appreciate right. especially with the the anticipated uh strike that 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 Ooh, could yeah. occur um between the writers and the actors of course with wga and, and sag um in solidarity we could see a slowdown on said projects but you know of course uh happy for projects like vince's project and the sessions for uh for uh yeah for making for it wrapping just in time yeah we were a little worried but yeah. i think we wrapped it just in time we'll see if there's a strike yeah yeah but you wrapped it in time and uh where can we see sessions uh, where and when 
those are the million dollar questions. Um, we hope to have a final cut by the fall. We may take it to the American film market in Santa Monica, which is the first week in November. So our okay. goal is to be done by then. Um, but if we don't do that, we're going to hit some major festivals and then go from there. Very, but if very you want to do hey, you can get a digital download. Right. Yeah. Pitch you got to plug the, the, plug the, uh, the Indiegogo, right? Yes. The Indiegogo. Oh, I think when Vinny was trying to get the they Indiegogo. Yeah. He accidentally dropped off. But yes, the Indiegogo is really awesome. Actually, I even contributed. Uh, and uh, one of the tiers of the Indiegogo is a Sessions coffee mug. And as you know, I love some coffee. Coffee makes the world go around and makes me productive. So when I saw yeah. that I could contribute some you know, funds for this uh, project and also get a perk of a coffee mug with the sessions logo was all about it, you know? So, uh, so, uh, hopefully Vinny will be, uh, rejoining us back, uh, momentarily. I think he's going to be popping up any moment. He's pretty savvy. This guy, um, I, oh, there yeah, you I, go. I blew my pitch. I blew my pitch. Blew the pitch <laughs> but I was talking for you. I was talking how, Awesome. Uh, one of the tiers are where you can get coffee mug with the sessions logo. And that's one there of the, uh, one of the, uh, tiers that you can, uh, you know, support the, uh, the sessions project with. Right. And if you want to see it, yes, you can get a digital download of the pilot before anybody else. Um, oh, that's Indiegogo. another tier. Exactly. Indiegogo, just type in the sessions TV pilot. It's open for three more days. So don't delay. Oh, only three more days. Yep. That's it. Yep, yep, yep. So our listeners might miss this plug, but <laughs> oh well, we tried. We tried, we tried. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can keep it up for a little bit on post. But uh, we all, uh, we didn't have you on for a while, Vinny, because you were very busy with uh, your Hamlet production. And congratulations, you played the re- lead role as Hamlet in Thank the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company. And, and wow, I gotta say, because we haven't had you on the show since since Hamlet uh, took place. Phenomenal, phenomenal performance, Vinny. You should be very proud. Very proud. Thank you, thank you, Al. It it was um, it was a workout, but I'm glad I did it. And and we had great audiences. So all these people who've never seen me do anything got to come. Um, Al has seen me in a few things. I I saw you in a couple things already, though. So yeah. No, it was really it was a great actor challenge. It's one of those roles you just you can't turn it down because it's like Everest. But uh. It's a once in a lifetime. It's really, great. it is, yeah. And yeah. I now I can live the rest of my life. Lots of no, lots of stage time. I I couldn't imagine like what was it, two hundred pages? Yeah, yeah, close to it. I mean, it was, it, we cut it down to two and a half hours, but it still felt quite long. It was probably more than two hundred pages then. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of talking, a lot of running, a lot of yeah. fighting. Um, but man, it was it was a great experience. I recommend it to any actor. Yeah, of course. That's the way to keep the, uh, the acting muscles. Indeed. Jessica, have you done any Shakespeare? You know, I haven't, but I did study Shakespeare at the Globe at the Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute. Um, nice. That was a subject, like, I, I took it for the entire year, so I read my fair share of, of Shakespeare, and I went and saw um, Macbeth, um, one of my favorite shows is Midsummer Night's Dream. 
mm-hmm. of course. And I, I actually saw that in Central Park and um, that was incredible to see like on an outs- outside stage oh, um, yeah. and a dream, you know. Mm-hmm. I also got to see that when it was done back in Australia by a company called Victorian Youth Theatre. Uh, back in Australia as well, so I've I've definitely seen my fair share of Shakespeare, and I do I have a love for the language because of the history and yeah. because Shakespeare is who he is, and uh-huh. there's so much mystique on you know what his sexuality was, whether he was like bisexual or whether yeah. he was you know um, straight. Uh-huh. There's always like all of these in-depth conversations of what you know what what was he oh, yeah. um <laughs> which is kind that of that i didn't know i wasn't aware about that yes so it's it's kind of an open discussion constantly with with theater goers to you know because he was so i want to say open and and thought that every human was a human saw them as a human and not necessarily like for what their sex was which i think mm, yeah. it's incredible when you really research about the man, the myth, the legend, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and I encourage Jessica, both of you to do a Shakespeare play soon. I want to see both of you. It, but Jessica just uh, just finished assist, assistant directing, right? Uh, a play called yes. My Husband as part, as, the, as part of the New York um, Theater Festival, correct? Yeah, New York Theater Festival. It was a play called yes. My Husband. Um you know, we, we did not have a budget. We raised, I think it was something like $2,500 on our Indie Go Go, which is a pretty great feat um, yeah. for an off-Broadway and a first-time writer, um, Houston Watson, who is a first-time writer, first-time director. Um, Scott C. was one of the producers on that, and I was also a producer slash assistant director um, so I got to work one-on-one with the amazing cast, um, and it was, it was quite a small crew. Like there were all of us, I think there was like nine of us total mm. and that's it. Um, but we were really proud of, of raising 2,500. I know that 15% went towards raising money for Alzheimer's disease So the show was based around, you know, two men that were married and one of them actually had um, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And then during the show, you got to see snippets of his life. So it was it was these past memories um, and moments from when he was, you know, completely okay and young and cohesive Mm -hmm. and then and these moments where he was just so confused with his loved ones on stage. So Mm. it was really beautiful, um, you know, and just to see, we had a very diverse cast uh, from New York that was, everybody was from somewhere different, you know, um, I want to say like ethnicity wise, looks wise, height wise, every, every time, (laughs) everybody was so, um, well, that's what's great about theater. You you can yeah, it was so to, we had know, such a diverse casting cast. against type if needed. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely like that. So, um, and then obviously the show was representing LGBTQ again, and you know, beautiful stories that haven't been told yet that need to be told. So, I was so proud of the entire cast um, and crew for their first performance. They only had, you know one rehearsal they were doing one rehearsal a week maybe for three to four hours a week that's 
That's not much. And then boom, you're on. Yeah, that's not only only three shows, right, Jessica? Three shows. It was Thursday, Friday. no, it was no, it was Thursday. Sorry, it was Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, they only had three right. shows, and that was it. Right, that was it. Okay. Yeah, but it, it, it finished the week. We finished the week before Tribeca, so it was just. Yeah, it was a lot going on. Wow. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, both of you, uh-huh. uh, Vinny Mack yeah. and Jessica Ray. So. Let's talk about some stuff going on in the world of entertainment. Myself and Vinny, we got to check out the amazing movie called The Flash. Uh, and uh, let's talk a little bit about that and other movie and TV stuff. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. All right. Yes, The Flash. Number one movie in America, 55 million over the Father's Day weekend. Um, it dropped the same weekend as Elemental, uh, the Pixar movie, but that was the second place movie, 29.5 million. Uh, the third place movie was Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, 27.8 million. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. 20 million and the little mermaid rounds at the top five with 12 million. So, well, we saw the number one movie, right? Vinnie Mac. Uh, Hell yeah. Ash was phenomenal. I loved it. I loved it. I'm a little sad that it's one of the final DCEU films mm. with, I guess, Aquaman two being the final one because they just confirmed that blue beetle will be um, considered into the new phase of DCU. Okay. So that would make uh, this Flash movie the penultimate DCEU, the Snyderverse, the original universe with Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck. Um, but uh, it, it was fantastic. Let's just talk about some of the highlights. I mean, it was a, basically a time travel story. You mm-hmm. know, Flash did, if I think that most most people would do to save people they love if they have the ability to go back in time they would try to go back in time and and fix things and um flash's mom passed away uh due to being murdered in her own home and it was a big mystery because apparently flash's father barry barion's father was accused of committing the murder so there, there was a lot of uh um yeah a lot of um entanglements there with that respect Mm -hmm. but it's crazy how one can of tomatoes made a difference (laughs) and it's crazy because that's what it's exactly the flash did he went back in time i think uh realized i think if you recall Vinny, was it the fact that the tomatoes are in the basket that she didn't have to go back to back to the the supermarket to, to get the tomato sauce trying to did she never so in initially she never got the tomato sauce she She, never got the tomato sauce she's just forgotten it i think right and then and then one timeline he put it in her basket and then there's a bit of a spoiler but he then takes it 
We can talk about spoils. I'm just trying to see how the can of tomatoes. I didn't get I didn't get how it changed where it was on the shelf, because I know his dad had to look up. To see to be seen by the security camera, but I didn't get how flat did he put it higher because it looked like it was in the same spot on the shelf. That's what I thought, too. And and I wasn't sure. But the result was that she was stabbed right in her own kitchen and they never answered that one either you know so that i'm just a dangling mystery yeah we don't know who did it yeah we don't know who did it we I'm don't sure know what, how the placement of the tomato whether the second shelf the top shelf or whether she had tomato sauce at all will yeah. cause her killed <laughs> so that, that was my my um you know I, I wasn't sure about that specific specific thing but you know they say you move one little tiny thing in the past and it's going to affect the future. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and uh, when the Flash went back in time to, you know, with the intention of saving his mother's life, which after doing so, she did survive. And then just a whole bunch of craziness ensued. Um, Zod, General Zod, not BTB's <laughs> own General Zod, but the General Zod. <laughs> uh uh, enters uh, the scene from Krypton, and uh, yeah, it just uh, causes a whole chain of events, basically from from moving that tomato sauce can, which is kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> you should think that that's how it all started, basically. Um, but then, as a result of uh, saving his mother, his mother, um, you get an alternate timeline, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Barry Allen now sees himself from 20, the year 2013. And now it's crazy because instead of the whole back to the future, trying to avoid him, Barry Allen approaches his younger self and explains everything to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, because, you know, remember back to the future, basically they had to, if they saw each other, they would faint or something like that. So make sure you don't see your future self or past self. But in this case, Barry Allen purposely tried to find the younger Barry Allen and tell him and, and tell him what's up. And uh, they band together. They band together and uh, they try to combine forces to, um, you know, take down Zod. And they do so by finding out the only superhero in this alternate timeline is Batman. But it's not the Batman that they know. <laughs> it's it's not the Ben Affleck. It's not the Batfleck. It is Michael Keaton. His version of Batman that we saw in the first two original Batman movies, and oh man, was it was it so cool to see him back or what, Benny? Yeah, definitely cool to see. Thank yeah, thank God for Michael Keaton, and I'm sure Warner Brothers is thanking their lucky stars because the whole marketing of the movie, especially the last few ones, it was like a Batman movie, also featuring. Ezra Miller is the Flash, uh, <laughs> which, by the way, I mean, I appreciate they had to do it. And Michael Keaton is wonderful, but it is definitely a movie about the Flash. It's not a Batman movie, but Batman has a prominent role. There is a it's a lot very significant supporting role. And Michael Keaton's awesome. Everybody loves Michael Keaton. So thank God they got him to do it. Um, ben Affleck, you know, I like it. He just looks so worn down by the whole thing man he, he looks like he's 
about to take one more drink and pass out. Like, yeah, that version of Batman he's portraying, from what I read, is the Frank Miller Batman, the middle-aged, okay. angry, angry Batman. Mm. That's the you know we saw him in the very beginning. Um, we saw Jeremy Irons as Alfred. We saw Gal Gadot. Oh my God! And you worked closely with her, didn't you, Vinny? Yeah, I was clapping in the audience. Damn. Yes, uh, we were both. All three of us were clapping. Yeah. yeah. When we saw Gal Gadot. Because you know, with with James Gunn taking over DC, we're 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 gonna see probably sadly less of Gal Gadot's version of Wonder Woman if they decide to reboot um, Wonder Woman as well, which I'm guessing they may. Um. But it was great to see, you know, maybe like a, I don't think of it as like, yeah, some some of the final appearances of the DC EU character. So again, I was very very happy to see. No cyborg though. No cyborg. So cyborg's a little salty. <laughs> Ray Fisher's yeah, off Ray the Fisher, map. Yeah, he he uh, yeah he really talked down on the DC executives and, and Josh Whedon at the time, mm. um, even though he had a very positive experience with uh, Zack Snyder. Um, yeah. It's just he, yeah, he had a lot of a lot of issues with Joss Whedon being treated on set, but um, and Walter but, Hamada, okay. who I think is still in charge or was in charge during the Flash. Walter Hamada, yeah, I think he yeah. still holds a, a position within DCU, but he he will probably have to answer to Peter Safran and, and James Gunn yeah. still. Yeah, um, and I'll tell you one of the another highlights was uh, Kara Zor-El, Supergirl herself. Mm. Played by Sasha Kali. Um, they don't do the signature blonde, blonde-haired uh, Supergirl that we've used to seeing in other um, iterations. But that's okay because yeah. she did a phenomenal, phenomenal role. Mm-hmm. Curious if she was held in that Russian bunker for so many years. Why was her hair short? I figured her hair would be like really. <laughs> <laughs> but she has Kryptonian hair, so the Kryptonian hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, she looked amazing and. She did. Uh, in that uh very form-fitting supergirl spandex um but uh the sad part is every time that keaton's batman and supergirl sadly succumb to their fate against zod flash and the other flash went back in time to try to change it and every time it resulted in the same results Mm -hmm. that even caused more problems in that uh continuity going back and forth in time to try to change it um but um so basically when he does it so many times he turns into a weird goblin type guy known as dark flash so there you go was that now is that supposed to be reverse flash or is that something different yeah reverse flash is actually an antagonist of the flash that actually has the same powers. Um, okay. The Dark Flash, I think, is a, is, is different though. Mm. Reverse Flash, we didn't see yet, but yes, Reverse Flash is one of the uh, one of the main main antagonists to the Flash. Okay. But is when we see this Dark Flash, Vinny, that we see a lot of our nostalgia in front of our eyes. We see Christopher Reeve as Superman. We see Helen Slater as Supergirl. We see Adam West from the old Batman TV show. Uh, we even see a uh, George Reeves from Adventures of Superman. Mm. And then we see Nicholas Cage <laughs> from a f- project that never, never came to fruition. 
uh, Superman Lives, and this was supposed to be uh, um, directed and written by Kevin Smith, and it was shelved. Um, but um, apparently, Nicolas Cage is battling a giant spider <laughs> in that scene. Yeah. But uh, but ultimately, what sadly happens is Dark Flash kills the younger Barry, and they both disappear. Which um, basically sends them back to their own corners of time and space. So then Barry decides, sadly, not to save his mother and instead saves his father by exonerating him. Mm. And uh, the, to- the tomatoes, yes, it's seen that it's uh, on a higher shelf. That way. Barry's father looks up into the surveillance camera and proves that he was the alibi was was accurate that he was there. Um, and um, and I think that's what it is. Now, now it's starting to click. I think he sends him back to the grocery. Said I forgot tomato tomato sauce. That's what it was, Vinny. Who who that, sends him? The the mother sends yes, the father yes. get the tomato sauce because she forgot it. Yes. And that's when they're, I guess, attacked by somebody. Yeah, attacked somebody. Right. Had she remembered her tomato sauce, she wouldn't have sent her her husband out, and her husband might have been there to protect her. Yeah. They could have still both died from the attacker. You never know. And the attacker could have, yes. That's right. That's absolutely right. Hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, even though they messed up time, this is proof that even though you try to undo what you did, it's still not perfect. So basically, Barry Allen decides to let, sadly, letting his mother pass by grabbing um, the tomatoes or making sure she didn't have the tomato sauce. And then, sadly, she ends up getting killed. Then exonerates his dad. But at the end, we see what appears to be Bruce Wayne. We're expecting... You know, we're expecting that heat again, you know, coming out of the uh, the Batmobile. But now it's George Clooney. Mm. George Clooney comes out of that. And uh, that, that was interesting. That was really, really interesting. So apparently they had to um, they had to shoot that scene um, to the cameo. The Clooney cameo was very late in the game. Mm. So apparently they originally had Keaton in that scene and Keaton um, was going to reprise his role in Aquaman and then the Batgirl movie, which got canned. Oh yeah. So instead of doing that, they decided to bring in Clooney to show that there was an, a, a, another change since they can't yeah. bring Keaton back in the, the canned Batgirl movie. So it sucks that none of that, none of that would matter, you know, because um, now we're actually going to get the brave and the bold movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, under DCEU and um, Andy Machete, is, who's the director of The Flash, is going to be directing this uh, Brave and the Bold film, which is going to be the DCU's version of Batman. So this is getting really confusing. There's a lot of Batmans out there. Right now. Yeah, what? there's going to be the Pattinson and a different version? That's right. So the Pattinson Batman is considered the Elseworlds Batman. So that's going to live in its separate universe. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, then you have the Ben Affleck DCEU Batman, which I think is having its last appearance in Aquaman. And that'll be the last movie. And then 
you have the original Batman, Michael Keaton, and then you have the George Clooney Batman from Batman 4. And now you have a new Batman, which they haven't even announced the casting for. So it's 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 a lot, and it's it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And for all we know, uh, Joker 2 features a Batman. There's too many Batmans. Do you think too there might Batmans? be? Yeah, there are a lot of Batman. It's yeah. too many Batmans. What are they doing? Come I don't know on. what they're doing. Yeah, we got two Jokers. We got two Harley Quinns now. I didn't think anybody could touch Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn. Now, Lady Gaga's portraying Harley Quinn, but you know that's in a different universe, and that takes place in the 70s, I believe. Right? That's, that true. that's true. Yeah. So, um, mm. The Brave and the Bold, we're going to see uh, Damon Wayne. This is um, the new son of Batman. Okay. He never knew he had. So there you go. Okay. Yep. So did I tell you, Al, that my daughter got to see the preview of The Little Mermaid? Oh, yeah? What'd you think? Yeah. So shout out to Kia Danielle, um, because, I mean, first of all, she's the founder of um, Lee Face underscore magazine. Just a little shout out to her, because um, she was the person who actually got Sienna the preview tickets, which is so awesome to see The Little Mermaid. Um and she got a poster and we have the ticket and you know i mean i just thought i'd mention it because it was one of the biggest box office sales of all time and also you know it's the first time that we're seeing um a representation of a different ethnicity play the little mermaid which is really really great um and obviously we're all about inclusivity and just wanting you know these roles to be to to finally be diverse to finally you know not be i guess categorized by just disney having all of these caucasian princesses you know i think that it was finally like a great decision for this to happen and for this to happen now like in in 2023 which is so great um so sienna got to see the first representation and it's also a representation of her, you know, my daughter is mixed race, so I was super excited to kind of have her be able to see that as the first Little Mermaid. So she didn't even see the first um, original cartoon of the Little Mermaid. This is the first Little Mermaid that my daughter got to see. Oh, this, okay, this is the first version, yeah. And your yeah. daughter gladly cosplay as Ariel now if she wanted to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, so... It was so, I think it's so important for, you know, young child, I mean, actors and even non-actors to know that they have representation out there that looks similar to themselves. Um, And it's such a strong message that we're carrying now. And um, I I feel like moving forward in the future, that's, that's what all films should, should be doing, you know, hiring multi-diverse casts across the board. It's, it's so exciting. Absolutely. As a uh, actor and a person of color, I, I second that. And, uh, you know, without, of course, uh, compromising the integrity of, of, you know, the written works of the authors, obviously. But yes, let's let's make it happen. And uh, that's what we're seeing. That's why we're seeing this in Little Mermaid. So there you go. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, Mission Impossible 7. Um as you know, uh, this is Tom Cruise's next big film. Who's almost 61 years old, right? Um, uh, they just had the red carpet in Rome, in Rome, Italy. Um, 
Piazza de Spagna. So this is a Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So I guess now one would think, oh, Dead Reckoning Part 2 would probably be the final MI movie. But no, uh, according to uh, Macquarie, the director of the last three MI movies, he says he has no plans to walk away and sees no reason to stop the franchise. Mission Impossible will end when the audience is no longer entertained. So it could keep going. We can go to Mission Impossible 30. I mean, uh, I don't know if they want to. I mean, uh, Fast and Furious. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Fast and Furious, they're bowing out at 12. You know, and that's respectable. Um, or, or is it 11? No, Fast 11. They're bowing, they're bowing out at Fast 11. But, uh, yeah, we could see a lot more uh, Mission Impossibles. With Tom Cruise at 61, I mean, God, can, can he keep going till he, through his 70s and 80s? <laughs> you know, as the uh, and and you know that's great about Tom Cruise, he does his own stunts, man, and he did yeah. one of these insane like motorcycle stunts where the motorcycle and himself fall off this cliff, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. I heard they did that first because he was like, well, if I die and you have to rewrite, let's just get that over with first instead of toward the end of production. <laughs> How does he? How He's thinking like a guy, producer. How does he insist on doing his own stunts, Vinny? Why do you? What, what do you think is up with? I guess once you've established that, what 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 can he do now? Admit that he's too old and hire a stuntman? Maybe yeah, he should. But, oh. <laughs> but I I'm just I'm blown away. I, mean, but... I think it's pretty awesome. You know, I think that I think that actors who also do stunts. It's really difficult. If you've ever taken a stunt class, um, which I have, and a combat class, you, I mean, you walk out of that class and your whole body is hurting. Like the, the amount mm-hmm. of strain that you put your body through for three and four mm-hmm. hours of training. And then those guys do it pretty much every single day of the week. And mm-hmm. that's, and your body literally hurts. You're your entire body hurts. Like there's muscles that you didn't even know you had that hurt. And I'm not talking from a female perspective because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty solid on pain. So I don't really, you know, I, I don't really feel pain. I actually kind of enjoy pain, but it's. Joy pain. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I enjoy pain a little bit. No, as in, um, as in I have pretty high pain, high level of pain tolerance. You know, any woman that gives birth would say the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but, true. but like literally it's to do stunts and to be doing that with your body at that age. It's pretty impressive. It is. And I think as a as a producer, too, he's he realizes people are a little tired of the CGI and his his shtick is kind of like, I'm going to do as much uh, real stuff to entertain people as I can. And I respect that. I mean, I'm sick of a lot of CGI as well. So, yeah. Uh, I don't even like Tom Cruise, but the fact that he does his own stunts, like, definitely thumbs up to that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think this is a good time to take a classic cut break. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to welcome Dean on the scene, Rogers, to talk a little bit about Awesome Con and some uh, TV stuff and, and a couple more movie stuff. But, uh, the classic cut this week. Um, you know what? I wasn't able to play a Blink-182 song when I got to see their show. So I figured a great song would be, um, well, you know, all the small things. You know, he's, they, you've got your typical hits. 
a Blink-182 songs, but I'm going to choose this particular song because it's a little bit more of a ballad, you know? It's kind of like the stripped-down version of Blink-182. And this song is called I Miss You. And um, right after the song, we're going to go directly into our first interview uh, from the Tribeca Film Festival. A first interview of the evening, that is. Uh, with Stephanie Beatrice from Bucky Effing Dent. And yes, I could say Bucky Fucking Dent because it's in the title. Um, and she's the star of that film, directed and written by Dave Duchovny. And, uh, and we'll be back right after the classic cut. We're here with Stephanie Beatrice, one of the actresses, the stars of Bucky Fucking Dent. And we can say that. I think it's okay to say, right? It's fine. It's, it's, fine. it's just a word. It's fine. <laughs> Do you feel okay dropping the F-bomb liberally on your media rounds? Of course. It's, it's my reason for living. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your character in this film, which we cannot wait to see. My character actually is... Um, so David plays a father who's changed from his son. Um, he's dying of cancer, and um, his, because they're estranged, uh, Sinus doesn't know, and I play the nurse, essentially his deaf nurse, the nurse that reaches out to the son, connects them, and then helps them through the journey of what it is to die, the journey that we're all going to go on someday. Now, uh, what was it like being directed and working with uh, Dave Duchovny in the same scenes because he's also not only the uh, star but he's also the director and writer. Yeah, he's also a super big star. I don't know if you knew that. He was well on the X Files, and a lot of people know who he is. Yes. Um, it was it was great. He's an actor, so he knows what actors need. Um, he is really funny, so he sort of allowed me to be myself on set, which I think is when you get the best work out of people. It's when you create an environment that lets them be comfortable. Um, are you excited about any other uh, films here at Tribeca or just focusing on Bucky right now? I absolutely loved Hey Victor. I thought it was incredible. It's an indigenous writer, mostly indigenous cast, out of, I believe out of Canada. Um, it was so funny. It was so well done. It was so brutally honest. I just loved it. I can't wait to see it again. Any other other pro uh, products you want to promote before uh, wrapping up? Um, just Twisted Metal is coming up on Peacock. Yes. July 27th, yeah. Twisted Metal, tell us about your involvement with that. It's very different. It's, uh, it's, it's based on the PlayStation Sony game. Um, it's a lot of cars. It's a lot of violence. It's a lot of me punching people in the face. Uh, yeah, so it's, pretty, it's a pretty sharp turn from the last big thing I did, which was Mirabelle and Encanto. So it's, it's, it's great. I really love doing it. Did you get familiar with the game before uh, working on the film? You know, it's sort of like oh, this really great reimagining um, of a lot of the, you know, because the game was mostly just the cars and like some of the Avatar play, like people that you could play, but this is like out of control, unhinged, wild. Oh, fantastic. Well, Twisted Metal's coming out when? July 27th, all episodes on Peacock. Wow. And of course, Bucky fucking dead, yes. Here's premiere at Tribeca. Thank you so much, Stephanie.
guys below the belt show here at the Tribeca red carpet BMCC with Jordan and Jordan and because we're uncensored Fuck you fucking dent. <laughs> How you guys doing? Yes, thank you so much. We're great. We're pumped to be here. Yeah, doing great. Doing yeah. Great. You gotta love saying the title of the film though, right? Oh, of course. I mean, I, I don't know how, you know, buyers will react, but we're excited about it. We want to yeah. keep it. David wants to keep it. David wanted to keep it. Is that, is that the reason why he wanted to keep the F-bomb in the title? Oh, for sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It certainly resonates with all the, the audiences, I'm it sure. It's a prerequisite to shooting the movie. Title has to stay the same. <laughs> but it is, it's a family, family film. Uh, film, isn't it? It's a father-son movie. Okay. So I think it's for all ages, I would say, right? For sure. Well, excuse a little bit older, but that's okay. You nice. know, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's themes in there for everybody. That, that's the important thing. Nice. Now, as producers, some are involved in the creative process, some are involved in the business uh, aspects. Uh, how were you guys involved? Yeah, I mean, I would say both, but primarily for Jordan and myself, we're very, we trust our directors a lot and writers, so we put a lot of that faith into David. So we're, I would say on this one, more on the yeah. business side. More, more on the business, financing uh, side of, of producing on, on this one. Fantastic. And what are your plans uh, after Tribeca for this film? Oh, well, to sell the movie and uh, hopefully a great sale and uh, some good reactions tonight and, and good press. So that, that's the idea. Yeah, and you kind of almost had a uh, Californication reunion in the film, didn't you? Yes, yes. I mean, luckily, I think David is very beloved by many cast members, current and past. So yes. we got some awesome people to jump in the movie. Fantastic. Well, Jordan and Jordan, which sounds like a law firm. <laughs> Jordan and Jordan here. He was a lawyer. He used to be a lawyer. So. <laughs> or, or, or still is. But yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on uh, being here at Tribeca, and can't wait to see the film. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. All right. Wow. What an interview. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice uh, and the producers of Bucky Effing Dent. And of course, Blink-182, man, pop punk's greatest. It was so cool to see their t see them on their uh, tour, um, which uh, they completely rocked the house. Amazing, amazing stage presence. And they can really, really... Um, Capture an audience, but uh, we're going to say sadly goodbye to the lovely Aussie, Jessica Ray. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on BTV. Yes, and uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, you can follow me on Jessica Ray Entertainer on Facebook. You can also follow me on IG at jray underscore h. W-O-O-D, so that's J Ray underscore H Wood. And a big shout out to Below the Belt Show. Below the Belt Show. Thank you. Okay, yeah. she's still she's very proud showing it off, Dean. Look at that. Yeah, so excited. <laughs> off uh, thank you for having credential. me. And enjoy everyone. Enjoy the rest of the interviews and the session. Love you so much. Lovely, awesome. Mm -hmm. have a good night. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, Jessica Ray, looking as lovely as ever. Wow. Um, good to have her on Below the Belt Show. And, of course, now we have another lovely individual joining us. <laughs> That's right. From the Rogers Review, Dean on the Scene Rogers. Uh, we had a good time uh, at Awesome Con. If we can throw out a couple things about Awesome Con. Uh, and then um, stick around for a little bit uh, more of the uh, 
entertainment thing and we're going to wrap up a little earlier than usual which is uh what everyone likes uh likes here on btv but dean uh what were some of your highlights of uh, awesome con well i mean there were so many to talk about I mean, especially as we both know this is awesome con's 10th anniversary for a Ooh. local con Ooh. like this to survive Man. 10 because we've seen a lot of cons and we've been through a lot of cons over the years but for this one to be one of the longest running conventions in washington dc it's so amazing so among my highlights were i actually got well i gotta get this personal one out of the way right now because um i belong to a club called starfy international and i had to get my picture taken with jordan before himself lavar burton so i got decked out in my latest picard Admiral's uniform. And the craziest thing about the latest um, season of Picard is that Jordan LaForge and my character are the same rank. That is up until four days before the convention in which the club promoted me to Rear Admiral, which is a two-star Admiral. So I said, now this picture became even better because he was part of the series that got me into Star Trek. And here I am now I'll break him. So I had my certificate and he held it and I told him what it was for. And he told me congratulations and good luck with your journey. I said, thank you for bringing me on this journey. So that was the highlight and it was amazing. Plus I got to see a lot of my closest friends, including um, one of my friends who I haven't seen since high school. And the funny thing about that was um, when she told me that she was coming up to Awesome Con, she asked for my advice on the boots of the uniform, the rank pips of the uniform. So I was helping out, giving her these um, accruements for the uniform, which she wore the number one uniform for Strange New Worlds. So that was Saturday. Uh, Wow, which was amazing. Then Sunday, um, I came back for the second day and I actually picked up a couple interviews. I was getting ready to post um, one of the pictures because... um, he and I are pretty much closest friends, and that is Wes Johnson. You know him from um, Shigo Roth in the video game world. You've heard his voice all over. You may have seen him in um, Dirty Shame and um, Head of State, which the funny enough, when we first met each other and I found out he was in Head of State, it's like that was the film I was part of as an extra. And he, yes. he and I were practically in the same scene but my scene got cut. His scene. <laughs> yes. Let's so not this forget the third the, time I got to see. So again. Let's not forget the character in um, a dirty shame that uh, Wes Johnson portrayed. Yes. Fat, fat fuck Fred, I believe. Yeah. Uh, fat fuck Frank. That was his character. <laughs> yes. Ah, fat fuck Which Frank. Which so <laughs> different than than he does now, but he's a great guy, especially since. Um, He's now involved with a project, um, Starship Farragut, which is filming their movie-era series, Farragut Forward. Um, It was actually, they were filming this past weekend, which they were filming the entire weekend from Friday to yesterday. And we can't wait to show everyone this wonderful film. In fact, Wes plays a Klingon in this film. I'm not going to give away what's going to happen with the script and what happens to our characters. But um, be on the lookout for Farragut Forward when it comes out. In addition to Wes Johnson, I actually got to meet Dave Barclay, who is this amazing puppeteer. You've never seen his face, everyone, but you've seen him, his work on films. If you've seen Yoda in Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back and 
Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi, you have seen his work. He has been a puppeteer professionally since he was 19 years old. He still does it. And one of the films we actually got to talk about, and it's one of my favorite films growing up, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And he told me he devised this system in order for the live action stars to interact with the cartoon characters. And he was explaining the scene, especially when it came to Roger Rabbit and Eddie um, were handcuffed. And then he was trying to saw off the handcuffs and then Roger slips out of the handcuffs and he broke down the scene for me, and I was yay! Like I was seven years. I remember being like seven years old for when he was telling me the story, and it was amazing. And he is still doing work to this day. In fact, the next project he's working on, he told me, is Coyote versus, or is Acme versus Coyote, or Coyote versus Acme, and it's another live action animated movie or project that he has coming out so he is still running he went from working on as a kid to being a grandfather still doing puppetry and i can't wait to share that interview with everyone and the final highlight i want to say is catching the annual short film festival and there were a plethora of films that came out shout out to joe yes Yes, give out a shout out to Joe. So one of the films I really want to talk about is my good friend Tara Garwood. She has this film called Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's gonna come I forgot the title, but oh. it's gonna come to me. But yeah, when it comes to me, I will definitely remember the title. But it's this wonderful gothic, modern day gothic horror film. And it was about 14 minutes long. And it tells this unique story about a daughter coming home to help out her mother as she noticed some strange things that is happening in this movie, I mean, in, the, in her home. And it's such an amazing film that I highly recommend. The Strangle of Ivy, there we go. The Strangle of Ivy is the film. So I want to give a shout out to Tara Garwood and Terracotta Films and all of the films, especially there was this one film, which was actually a science-based film. Well, I'm glad they combined science fact and science fiction and fantasy and horror. So the science fact film, explores this Oklahoma City resident who chases sprites. And these are real-life sprites that you see in the night sky around storms. And especially with Oklahoma City have this wide open space. It's not like city like here in Washington, D.C. And they were working with the scientist who's actually based out in this area to catch these sprites. And what they caught is amazing. So I have to give a shout-out to all the people who brought the short films oh yeah there's one more i gotta talk about i just remember because it was the last film so um back in um i say about the 2000s 2010s they followed the story of this man who was building batmobiles in fact he got official license from dc comics to build batmobiles but there was one person who was like a millionaire or a billionaire who skipped out on his payments on batmobiles and he literally called his buddies in the local sheriff's office to raid his house and put him through misery. And then a local ABC 7i team caught wind of the story and they gave it a lot of publicity. And it was such a touching story, especially since he grew up watching Batman and all he cared about was the 60s Batmobile to the letter. So it's such an amazing film. So wow. if anyone gets a chance to see these short films at Awesome Con or hopefully afterwards, 
definitely go see them. They're wonderful. And shout out to my team at the Rogers Review. Shout out to Beth. Shout out to Cheryl, who took amazing pictures. And they're all on the Rogers Review Instagram. They will be on Facebook later on. And some are on the first of two articles at therogersreview.com. So I have to give AwesomeCon their due, their props, and it's amazing. But for those who have not heard, AwesomeCon next year will not be in June anymore. Can you believe that? No longer in June. It is going back to March. Back to their old plan of starting in March, maybe going to April, maybe going to May. So tell you, scheduling a con on Father's Day is not probably the best idea unless unless you're unless you're the father that loves that. Well, because you know, obviously it's one thing you can take your kids there, whatever. But again, I I would hope that AwesomeCon doesn't plan, uh, you know, against like a like a family holiday like Father's Day again. So. Hopefully that won't be the case. Dean, do um for the films, is it local films they prefer, or are these films from all over? These are films on all over because there were a lot of um, filmmakers that were from Maryland, D.C., Virginia. Or there was actually one filmmaker I forgot what country he's from, but it was a very amazing film that he did. It was filmed in Maryland, but um I can tell by his accent he um. Against, I can't forget the words, but Nothing. yeah, he, it, yeah, but it's all over. So no matter if anyone has a short film from here, locally or around the world, they accept anything as long as it's science fiction, fantasy, horror, science mm. fact. So okay, anything. Okay. Would thriller stuff. work? A thriller, maybe. Okay. Work. Absolutely. Oh, you got your wheels turning for your project, huh, Vinny? I, I, yeah. If that's a cool venue, we might, we might try to submit it to Awesome Con. Yes. Yeah, for our thriller Good pilot job. next year. Yeah. Thriller pilot. Yes. Yeah. That is Sweet. awesome. Well, yeah. Awesome Con was really cool for me, Dean. Of course, I got to interview the voice of Anakin Skywalker, Matt Lanter, the voice of Obi Wan Kenobi, and James Taylor. And the puppeteer behind Naeem Numb, Mike Quinn. And not only that, the companion of Jodie Whittaker, Mandeep Gill. Um, is that her name? I think that's correct. Yeah. Mandeep Gill? Yeah. Yes, Mandeep Gill, uh, who first time in Washington, D.C. So since oh, wow. we're still playing Tribeca interviews, we're going to be uh, throwing them out a little bit later. But nonetheless, stay tuned on Below the Belt Show. We, we will be hearing these exclusives. I know Star Wars fans can't wait to hear anything. Any Star Wars content they want to hear, for sure. And, uh, Dean, we should mention that, uh, th- and thanks to you and the Rogers Review, I got the pleasure to be treated to Hannibal Burris's, uh comedy show and yeah. live musical performance, which I wasn't even aware that he was a musician and an yeah. artist, but lo and behold, after the comedy show, which we were laughing our asses off, we got to check out an amazing musical performance, um, and thank you so much uh, to you, Dean, and the Rogers Review for taking care of uh, BTB's own Al Soto. Oh, anytime, especially um, I was offered this through um, his publicist. And he actually, when it comes to his musical performances, he has a band called SU Tune, and their biggest hit is I Lift Weights. I think that concert lasts, what, three hours long? So we were hearing about 30 minutes of the comedy show. No, there was nothing about Bill Cosby at all, as far as I can remember. Since he, <laughs> as people know, before right. all this, he was the comedian that broke the story and killed Bill Cosby's career, apparently. But so there was nothing about that. 
But um, his comedy show, I felt, was great. It was amazing. He kept the audience into it. He kept them laughing. But the music, it really took it to a narrow level, especially um, we got to talk to Halle Supreme, who was one of his opening acts. And um, I've got the other guy. Who yeah, he was the- fantastic. Oh, yes, he is. And this other guy who did Mad Rhymes with Halle Supreme. And then Eshu Soon. Brilliant. Especially this was my first time. And I believe this was your first time at the Atlantis. And yes, so this very is very cool venue. New venue venue yeah, in DC. Still, yeah, yep. they're still a month old. And um, the only complaint I have about that venue is I got to get rid of some of the mosquitoes that were in the lights <laughs> when I was taking photos. But aside from that, as you guys know, um, this is technically the Atlantis's 44th anniversary. And this is one of 44 concerts they have lined up for the brand new venue. And it's easy to find. It's right behind the 930 Club. Yeah, so did you guys have a lot? Yeah, it's a lot bigger than the the Atlantis, a little more intimate of a venue, much smaller than the 930 Club. Yeah, because what they want, they built the Atlantis because they want to take it back to what Mm. was the 930 Club's origins because it was originally the Atlantis and then they changed over to 930 Club. I think it was on V Street, if I remember originally. That's where it was the original location. And after so many years, they want to recapture that vibe, even though 930 Club has grown as far as publicity, as far as its artists, as far as its talent, and as far as location. I mean, it's if I want to compare it to a venue locally here, I want to say it's close to, oh my goodness, the Birchmere. I would say it was close to as far as the size. While the uh, Atlantis is a ritual club, which is right next door. I say it's about 1,400, I think, give or take. Something okay. like that, you think, Al? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so, give or so, take, yeah. Very yeah. nice. And there lot more guests they're having Darius record coming down Jenny Lewis is coming oh, I so. be with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. so you want to check out the Atlantis folks because it is a great venue especially you know Dave Grohl Foo Fighters Virginia has opened up he got a they got a sculpture of something that he helped design or help was part of so you want to check out the Atlantis right well, Dean, I know you only uh, joined us to talk a little bit of Awesome Con, but we'll have you a guest co-host uh, very, very soon, hopefully, and talk everything in the world of pop culture. Vinny and I are going to wrap up the show within 10 minutes or so. So yeah, I appreciate it. I've got time. Come on. That's oh, you got time? Got- oh, okay, right. Sure. Well, we got to do this really fast then. Wow, okay. All right. Anyone's check out the Craven the Hunter trailer. My God. Uh, Sony is really, really... Uh, doing their thing man because you know they have to kind of shine basically uh shine a separate from each uh from mcu because they're a separate entity even though they kind of are in shared universes but i'll tell you man this craven the hunter trailer was fantastic it's fantastic so i highly recommend you, you check it out there, there's actually a red band trailer Ooh. and surprisingly enough Craven will be rated R, and as as you know, the Daredevil, sorry, not the Daredevil, Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool, as you know, is also rated R, and even though it's a part of MCU, it's still going to be rated R, so that's good news. So, not all Marvel is for kids, guys. So that's just something to remember, um, uh, <laughs> which is very, very, 
very, very, uh, you know, you got to keep the adults entertained with some adult content, of course, right? Hell you know, yeah. have it all, yeah, you know, uh, you know, make it all puppy dogs and, and rainbows for. for I was kids. just reading Craven the Hunter to my kids tonight, but it's a very oh. juvenile version. Oh, this. But, yeah, I want to see this trailer though. I'm excited. I think Chameleon's in it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, also, Challengers, a new movie that just dropped with Zendaya and Josh O'Connor, which being yeah. uh, billed as a romantic sports comedy film, and uh, looks like Zendaya gets a little naughty with uh, two of her co-stars. Um, sure so she's a pro tennis play, uh, player opposite um, Mike Faced and Josh O'Connor. So uh, apparently, it looks like they're alluding to a little bit of a threesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about on the tennis court, but <laughs> but uh, that would be yeah. Australian doubles. Uh, same director who did um, "Call Me by Your Name" several years. Yes, ago. Yeah. Luca Guadagnino. That's right. From "Calling Me by Your Name," as you know, uh, that starred uh, Army Hammer and, uh, and uh, Timothy That's right. Yes, Kevin Spacey making a comeback. Apparently, his film peter 58's been picked up for multiple territories um you know what i mean an actor's got to work i mean if he is uh you know he pled not guilty to his charges and uh you know if he's found not liable in in you know in that court case against anthony rapp that was kind of like a win for him you know mm-hmm. so um you know it he has more trials and he, he becomes uh, exonerated or I don't know. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, let's see what happens there with uh, Kevin Spacey's career, whether it will be back or not. We'll have to wait and see. This is crazy because didn't Carrie Fisher pass away in the year 2016, but she has a movie called Wonderwell and they just dropped the trailer. It's a coming of age magical tale set in Italy and I guess it was delayed for whatever reason, maybe COVID, maybe post-production issues, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, what is it? Seven? Yeah, you're right. Uh, passed away 2016, just, and, you know, her mother just passed away very close, within days. That was so tragic, Dean. That was, like, literally the, one of the saddest things. And But nonetheless, her legacy lives on in her film, you know, with uh, The Last Jedi. With, uh, mm-hmm. With um, Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, and of course, with this film Wonderwell. So, um, yeah, um, definitely, I guess the swan song for Carrie Fisher for sure. Um, and um, let's close it out with Netflix stuff. Um, Netflix had this big Putum event. This is a big fan fan focused event in Brazil where they announced a whole bunch of news uh, with stuff going on in Netflix. First of all, Wonder Woman, uh, Gal Gadot, that is, because we talked about her earlier, Vinny. Um, she's getting a crack at a Netflix female-led um, film uh, as an MI6 agent who se- secretly works for a peacekeeping organization known as The Charter. And uh, it's great to see uh, uh, Gal Gadot on the big screen. As you know, we were very happy to see her in The Flash. Sorry, spoiler oh, yeah. alert. If you haven't seen The Flash... You got to see the Flash scene, whatever you do. But yeah, see it now. if you want to see Gal Gadot in Heart of Stone, uh, that drops on August 11th. 
Uh, Zack Snyder showed a, a peak of Rebel Moon, his space feature from Netflix. It's due at the end of the year. Um, Star Trek Sophia Batella. I know that you're a fan of hers. Uh, uh, she plays Cora, a mysterious woman who will help organize organize a peaceful uh, the peaceful inhabitants of the planet to fight back against an authoritarian government. And Ray Fisher, we mentioned Ray Fisher earlier. Uh, oh. He will be in this. Um, Michael Hostman, Carly Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, and Damone Hunsu from Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Wow. Also okay. in this project. Yeah. They just announced Extraction 3 uh, will happen. Of course, Extraction 2, uh, the second film in the franchise starring Chris Hemsworth, will be dropping soon. Um, Squid Game just announced some new cast members for season two. Of course, the surviving cast, including Lee Jung Jae, Lee Byung Hoon, Wee Hang Joon, and Jong Yu. Sorry if I mispronounced any of these names. But the, the people that survived season one will be in season two, uh, which is, of course, the, the Mask Man. Um, the, the, oh, Betty, never mind. Okay. Oh, you can right. say the Korean names because I'm not going to remember who's who. Gonna know. Well, then I'll you... skip that part. Yeah. <laughs> and as you know, they're doing a um, a Squid Game competition reality show, um, which is crazy. Um, so this is uh, 456 players competing for a 4.56 million cash prize. Wow. So the the, no, the no, prize no. money is not, not the same. Money. <laughs> American money. It's 4.56 million, and you don't really have to, it's not technically kill people, but <laughs> so you, you don't you, you you get to survive, so you still take your chances. Oh, okay. But the, yeah, the but, games, uh, if, supposed... we know, if we know those type of games, it's going to be kind of like Danger Warrior or Sasuke or Wipeout, so you know, yeah. it's all fun. Yeah, the Maybe games are... jumps and bruises, but that's about it. <laughs> Expect to be very, very similar to the Squid Game that you know and love. Um. Linda Hamilton will be a part of the Stranger Things cast season five. Wow. That's surprising news. Now both Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger will be on Netflix. As you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a very successful FUBAR show, which was just renewed for season two. Hmm. If you haven't seen it, I hear it's a great show. I haven't got a chance to check it out yet. And then they just dropped the trailer of, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's David Benioff's and D.B. Weiss's new um, project called The Three-Body Problem. Yes. Um, oh, that's been in development forever. It's been undeveloped. Finally, finally got a trailer, Vinny. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Benedict Wong, Jess Hong, Isaac Gonzalez, and more. Um, and it's a sci-fi series, A Young Women's Faithful Decision in 1960s China reverberates across space and time to a group of brilliant scientists in the present day. Um, and uh, apparently the books were a big deal. Um, I haven't read any, but, uh, you know, I was, I was a fan of DB and Dave's work. And if they follow source material, you know, the project should be good. <laughs> if you don't follow source material, which is the evidence in the final season of Game of Thrones, they could get a little lost. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. Any and then, audience uh, will turn, away, turn on you. Quickly. <laughs> yep. And uh, Netflix has a live adaptation of One Piece. This is a one of the best-selling uh, manga series of all time. They're doing a live-action version of it. And uh, checked out this 
trailer looked like a lot of fun and um and last but not least um they did an update for you season five which will be uh the final season of you um if you're a fan of Penn badgley's series that's gonna happen they revealed um some upcoming things to expect in the upcoming fifth season and then emily in paris season four um they just dropped some hints that it will take place in rome um so if you're a fan of that show these are kind of like the girly shows like bridgerton they talked a little about bridgerton season three which will pick up with penelope featherton and colin bridgerton's love story and um that pretty much uh is it for um yeah pretty much it for netflix um for fortunately we don't have any time for anything else so don't have to say i much to everyone else's dismay um but i uh we do have to announce uh, those who are no longer with us you know uh, we do have to respect uh those that uh, have passed away um um days that our live star cody longo we just found out he died due to chronic drinking according to the autopsy he's a 34 year old soap star who uh, suffered from chronic ethanol abuse and his manner of death was natural so if i guess if you're if you are taking chronic amounts of ethanol then it's considered natural i, I don't know natural okay yeah they're calling it natural causes but how's that how's that <laughs> drinking profusely you know drink yourself um we also lost brett hadley soap actor who starred as carl williams for two decades on the young and the restless passed with the age of 92 uh jim quito uh for his starring role in flying wild alaska sadly died in a small plane crash at the age of 68 um and um teresa taylor uh from the butthole surfers this band also star of richard linkletter's 1991 gen x classic slacker sadly uh passed away uh after a long battle of uh from a lung disease and big pokey founding member of screwed up click collective um houston rapper uh closet death not known um sadly passed away at the age of 45 collapsed during a performance in beaumont texas my god and of course with death we celebrate life congratulations to courtney kardashian and travis barker which is one of the reasons i picked blink 182 for the classic cut as they're now expecting a fourth child um well, this is this is courtney's fourth and also travis's uh fourth including his adopted daughter from his ex-wife shana munkler and al pacino welcomed his fourth child wow he has a son named Roman Pacino. Mm, He's got a 33-year-old daughter, two twins, and now has a newborn. Al Pacino, 83 years old. Go for it, Al. Al father of a newborn. I know, right? And of course, uh, celebrating a birthday today includes actor James Tolkien from Back to the Future. He's 92. Singer Lionel mm. Richie is 74. Actor John Goodman is 71. Uh, actor Josh Lucas, happy birthday, is 52. And uh, Christopher Mintz Plus from Superbad, he is 34 today. And he's actually in that uh, Stars on Mars reality yeah. show, which I haven't seen yet. Have you seen it, Dean? No. <laughs> no. You're not going to do it in. No. It's like, I'd rather have the space reality than the fake space reality. Except exactly. for Star Except for Canfield. I'm good. So I'll agreed. Do that. Agreed. 
<laughs> well, that's it, man. Abbreviated version of uh, Below the Belt show. Uh, we couldn't get through everything, but that's okay. Uh, we'd like to thank, of course, our uh, panel, uh, the lovely Aussie Jessica Ray Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Vinnie Mac, aka uh, the One Line Wonder, aka the Co-Star King. Yeah, baby. Yeah, let's get two lines next time. Yes, two lines, baby. Dean on the scene, Rogers of the Rogers Review, and of course the Rogers Review, RogersReview.com. Hey, that's right. <laughs> there you go. All right, so ending tonight's show in post-production, my interview. That's right, the big one, guys. I said the best for last. Steve Buscemi, motherfucker, from his film, The Listener. And a couple more uh, of the um, supporting cast. Man, what a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. Even though it was a brief interview, Dean, when you're interviewing the album of a star that is a steve buscemi it really is a moment isn't it oh yeah absolutely in fact i had that this morning with um the cast of swagger which by the way if you want to see it sees two drops this friday this friday uh june 23rd and orlando jones meeting him the second time and yeah if there's one thing to learn about orlando jones you're going to be laughing by the time the interview's over if not already okay Wow, so we'll keep that in mind. Well, guys, on behalf of the amazing panel, I'm Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto. Guys, we will see you next time. Until then, peace. Adios. All right. We're here with actor, director extraordinaire Steve Buscemi. Steve, you got to be excited here. The red carpet of your your directorial, not debut, but I believe your fifth or sixth film? Fifth, yes. Fifth Fifth film, wow. Here at Tribeca, um, tell us what drew you to this project. Uh, it's a beautiful script written by Alessandro Camon. It uh, deals with a home helpline worker who takes calls all night long at her at her place. It's what they call a warm line, so people can just call to talk, but they're usually in some sort of distress. Right. The characters were so beautifully drawn. It touched on so many different aspects of you know mental health issues. That Which I think is very important. That I think people are either going through themselves, or they have a family member or a friend. Yes. We can all relate to it. We can all relate to it. Now, I read that Tessa's the only actor that's on camera. Everyone else yeah. uh, calls into the helpline, I guess, right? How, how was that aspect of, as far as directing? It was very challenging, but I had, you know, the best actor to play this role. Because who wouldn't want to watch Tessa Thompson for an hour and a half, you know, Helping others. reading the phone book? But uh, <laughs> this, you know, this character is, you know, she just, she hit a home run, you know. It's such a beautiful, subtle performance and powerful that, um, yeah, she gave me confidence that, you know, we could watch one character on screen. By the way, we have amazing actors who are the callers that are ca- calling in. Um, but yeah, but you just see her. Fantastic. Now, after the Tribeca premiere, what are the plans for the film? Streaming platforms, theater release nationwide? Yeah, those are the plans. Nice. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if it happens, yes. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, on the acting side, if you could tell us about your upcoming projects. I know you have Vacation Friends 2 coming out. Um, you were recently in Bupkiss. Uh, what can you tell us about those particular projects and your experiences on them? Well, I love working with Pete. Uh, he's Pete Davidson, you know, um, I did the, the King of Staten Island with him and Judd right. Judd Apatow. 
So when he asked me to come and you know do this and play this crazy priest uh, in his uh, show, I said yes immediately. I love Pete. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Steve. All right, we have, we're here with actor extraordinaire Ricky Velez here at the <laughs> Listener Red Carpet. Um, are you looking forward to this premiere here on the Red yeah, Carpet? Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be awesome. This is yes. an amazing project. I think Steve hit something on the head, and you know, COVID's over and everybody's out. But I think we should remember what was going on, and I think this movie does that real well. Yeah, and I, I read about it. Uh, Tessa Thompson plays a, um, I guess, a mental health hotline uh, assistant. Um, but I was reading that she's the only actor on camera. Is on that, camera, yeah. So are, are you providing a voiceover? Yeah. So we did uh, voiceovers with Steve, which was amazing just wow. being directed by him and him running it was us in a booth and um, we did one run where we did it actually over screen with Tessa okay. and then we went in and filmed wow. yeah, 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 yeah. so does that make your day a little easier as an actor <laughs> oh man come on I'll do, I'll do voice acting all as long as they allow me to please that's a good life right there that, yeah that's awesome well, I'm just well, trying to be a Pixar dog at some point dude that's that's the real truth that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely dope uh, can you tell us about your character Oh, you really have to watch it. Okay. Yeah, it's dark. My guy is definitely dark, but um, he was going through some stuff. He needed help. Yes, yes. Well, what, what other uh, projects uh, are we promoting as well lately? Um, I'm staying busy right now, but uh, I'm not really promoting nothing until they start paying the writers because that's really affected my life, and I'm done. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Right now, I think these studios need to do the right thing and pay the writers. Come on, studios. Pay the actors without writers. Without writers, you, there's no actors. So, We're yeah. are going to get another listener. Yeah. Not exactly. paying us. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in the boat with everybody else on yeah. that. Yeah. Just stand in the solidarity, for sure. Thank you so much, Ricky. This is a great day. We're here with the lovely actress extraordinaire, Stephanie Shostak. Yes? Yes. yes hi. I got it. I got it. Franklin. What's up? <laughs> Franklin Dodge, Al Soto. Ow. <laughs> so, uh, you're on the red carpet of the listener, which I can't wait to see. Uh, but you're here to support the film, right? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a big Buscemi fan. I'm okay. passionate about mental health. I also know Dr. Barbara Vandalen, who worked, who's a psychologist and worked on the show. And I'm here as her guest, and I look forward to the film. Yes, and it does touch on mental health. Uh, Tessa Thompson plays a, I guess, a counselor, a hotline counselor for mental health uh, people. Um, um, what is your experience on mental health? Uh, how does that resonate with you personally? Um, for the past 10 years, you know, I think I've been lucky to discover tools that have really helped uh, improve my well-being and quality of life and anything that I can do to help raise awareness um, that we all have mental health. It's Mental health does not equal mental illness. We all have physical health and we also all have mental health and there are things that we can do to help each uh, our own selves and one another. Absolutely. So you just wrapped a million little things. Mm -hmm. This show. How does it feel that the series has now come to an end? Uh, it's a, a, it was a beautiful run. I was really lucky to be back for the end of it after having been been absent for a little yeah. bit uh, due to COVID. And um, yeah, it's it's a, one of the best memories of my career. Very special group of people. It's a fantastic show. Any particular favorite moments, scenes, episodes of A Million Little Things that resonate with you the most? Well, just because we wrapped, I think the final episode is yeah. was really incredible. 
uh, very hard to watch, but I think it, it's life. It shows life, and the writers, DJ Nash and all the writers did an amazing, amazing job. Yeah, absolutely. We had a nice run on ABC. And let's talk about projects coming up for you, yes? Yeah, what you got? Uh, I'm auditioning. Back to auditioning. Yes. Fun. <laughs> yes, auditioning is good. Do you prefer the self-tape audition, or do you prefer the in-person audition? I like the I like both. There's plus and minuses to the the plus of in person is you have a casting director, you have the energy of the room, they can guide you. Yeah. At home is you are more relaxed and you can do it more than once. Yeah, there you go. It's got its pluses and minuses. Stephanie, thanks so much for talking to us here at Below the Belt Show. Thank you so much, awesome. Below the Belt. Well, it has been a ill show tonight and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying. Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, 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 bye.